wish I'd spent more time at work. I wish I'd gotten more sleep. I miss watching a lot of great football games. I never got to spend enough time on Facebook. I wish the walls weren't so scratched up. I never really got to drive a cool car. I wish that planter in the backyard didn't wobble. I wish the house had been cleaner. enough time to work on my fantasy sports teams. I wish I'd had more money for myself. I wish we'd slept in more on Sunday. welcome. If I were to be honest with all of you, what's replaying in my mind is our worship service we had tonight. I stood here and I came to the stage and I was keeps replaying in my mind is holy, holy, holy. God, you are my firm foundation. And I hope tonight as, or really as you're watching online, as you're here in this place, that God's word would resonate with you here. And that as the word is being shared, man, it would be impressed upon your heart how good, how faithful he is. Amen? If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Joseph Oliver. I am the senior high youth pastor here at ACAC. It is my job to beat up your kids um, and break them in for the kingdom um, and then send them home energized and ready to bother you even more. Um, but before I get into where we're going this, uh, this weekend is that I want to make one announcement. And that announcement is that you guys know that we hired recently a new worship pastor. His name is Christian Ballinger. And the beauty of this weekend is that he made it here safely, him and his family. They are here in Pittsburgh, and their moving truck comes, and they beat the Nor'easter, which more than likely is going to hit somewhere in Chicago and in the Northeast, but they made it here safely. And knowing that, could you just God give a round of applause for that? So on top of that, as my, as my co-workers, uh, Ashley and Joel, presented, this weekend is our next-gen weekend, and it's focusing in on the next generation. So hopefully you saw a number of those little ones and big ones and some that are full of themselves well, but they're serving. They're serving alongside adults here in this place and just joyful to be here with you. And we're focusing on them. So you'll see them throughout this weekend in the kitchen, in the lobbies, in the parking lot, in the parking garages, serving our congregation because they are the next generation. And the next generation is power, and they have influence. 
And for this weekend, I want to go to this text in Psalm 78. And as, as you guys turn there in your Bibles, as I know some of you guys physical Bibles, you can turn there in the ACAC app or you can turn there in your Bible app. Whichever one you choose, turn to Psalm 78. And, and as you turn there, I want to set this up. That Psalm 78 is a wisdom historical psalm. And if we're talking about wisdom, there's something that the Word is calling us to examine within ourselves. As well as to look back at history. And the majority of the psalm retells the story of how God continuously and faithfully rescued the Israelites from Egypt to the time of King David. But there's a lesson here for us, and I hope you'll join me in this journey. So we're going to look at Psalm 78, we're going to turn and we'll start reading in verse 1. It starts off by saying this, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their, from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, his wonders he has done. He decreed statutes to Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. They then would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. This weekend, this passage is meaningful. Because the psalmist presents some lessons for us. He presents a lesson of remembrance and a lesson of responsibility. If we are honest, we are people who are prone to forget. We must work hard to remember. Because the temptation is to forget. And when it comes to responsibility, the psalmist reminds us that we are to teach the next generation about the works and words of God. The lesson that is presented to the Israelites here in this text is also presented to us today. The lack of remembrance and responsibility can cause a problem we find in verse 8. That we can be a stubborn, and sometimes we can look at ourselves, right? Be stubborn, rebellious, and live lives that were not loyal to God. And we miss out on the opportunity to pass on the words and the works of God to the next generation. But there is a solution. In order for the tension, and we all know this, and I'm pretty sure you, we, we see this, we recognize this happening today in our culture. There is a tension between the generations. There's a tension between the generations that came before us and the generations that are coming behind us and the ones all in between. That stubbornness, the rebellion is, is there. But God's solution is this. We need humility among the generations with a willingness to invest in one another. I want you guys to hear that. We, we need a humility amongst the generations with a willingness to invest in one another. Because through humility, the generations, especially the next generation, know the significance of God's word and his works. 
This week and I entitled our, our message, Leading the Next Generation. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, without you, God, none of this that we have done here in this place, the worship, God, the word, can be done without you. But you've set the table by presenting your gospel, your word, your scriptures before us to go to, which is our firm foundation. And, to, and in this place, God, I pray for every individual and for all those that will watch us online, that this would be a time where we not only examine ourselves, but we would draw nearer to you. And God, you would show us. You would reveal to us what it looks like for us to humbly invest in one another, to lead the next generation. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So I'm going to make this very simple. Three things I want to unpack with you to talk about what it means to lead the next generation. And, and like I said, they're simple. And I want to go into them starting with this one. Like, it's relationship. I think relationship is huge. There's a brief, there's, I would say there's a belief amongst the, the church as well amongst believers that proximity to the gospel inevitably results in an embrace of the gospel. Proximity to the gospel inevitably results in an embrace of the gospel. Like there's, if, if I'm in close distance with someone, I'm going to embrace the gospel. And I think in saying that, we can't assume that. We can't assume that close distance will cause someone to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. And embrace the words of God. Relationship is vital to passing on God's word and his works. Relationship allows deep investment in the gospel as well as in people. In verse 4, the psalmist writes, We will tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and his wonders he has done. The word tell here is just talk, is talking about for a moment is, is, is ongoing telling. There's an ongoing conversation. There's an ongoing dialogue. There's an ongoing relationship. I would say it's almost even better described as teaching. In Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, it says, teach them, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Here, we hear a reinforcement of talking about the words and works of God. But as they're talking about this ongoing relationship, it's not just like, hey, let's just, you sit by me, I have my Bible open, you'll get it. There's a relationship where someone is sitting across from me. We are sitting in a small group. We're sitting in this church. We are sitting together as a group, and we were gleaning. We are learning. We are wrestling with God's word. And, but also, not only that, we are going home, and we are witnessing this in our homes. But when we also travel together, we are encountering God's word. We are encountering God's spirit. And when we lay down before we go to bed, it's like, God, I want to give you my last breath if I don't wake up tomorrow. I praise you. But God, even when I wake up the next day, I glorify you first and foremost as God. I can't do this without you. But that comes together in relationship. The next generation needs relationship with, with previous generation believers. 
but also previous generation believers in a relationship with the next generation and those in between. To allow the passing on of God's word and his works. As I was preparing this, I thought back to me being a teenager because I grew up here in this place as a high schooler. I, didn't, I missed children's ministry, which I'm sad to say, but I'm excited that I, I actually had an opportunity to be here in high school. And it brought me to look at how I got to where I am today. How and why I became a pastor how and why I got married, how and why I, I, I'm in some sense a surrogate father because me and my wife have a foster son and we also have custody of my nephew. Like we, we, there's a lot of things that have gone on in my life and it's all because of those that have invested in me through a mighty relationship. The people that have been placed in my life have encouraged me, they've challenged me, they've directed me through what God has presented. There's been men in my life and some of them you, you will know from this, this congregation. Men like Calvin Walker. Men like Scott Wakery. Men like our own George Furman. And one of the elders that passed away early on is Rod Kirby. He was a, he was a mentor to me. And I, I, I relish his voice that resounds in my mind. And I can list off a host of others that have been men that have invested in my life. But I also sought after them. But I won't shorten it by saying it was just men. There was also women that invested in me. Women like Elizabeth Daigle, that's one of our, our pastors here at, at ACAC. Lolita Moman, Sharon White, and our own, one of our receptionists, Patty Thornton, which is like a second mom to me. Their relationship invested in me. What is great is that they're still investing in me to this day. But the importance is that they weren't just worried about me becoming a pastor. They were worried about me becoming a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That was the significance of the relationship. That I would not be one that was afraid to chase after God. I wouldn't be one that's afraid to listen to God. But I would be one that would trust him. Our next generation needs that. They need a relationship with fellow believers, young and old, that are going to encourage them, that are going to challenge them, invest in them as they pursue the Lord. Those relationships are going to happen at home. They're going to happen at church. They're going to happen with your relatives. They're going to happen with mentors. They're going to happen with our volunteers here at this place. But that happens through relationship. How can relationship between the generations enhance your ability to pass on the words and works of God. But outside of relationship, and I would say, here's relationship number one. Number two is trust. Out of our relationship with God and one another, we have an opportunity to build trust. Trust is another vital component to passing on the works and words of God. But simply put, trust comes when the actions meet the words. In verse 5, the psalmist writes, He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. The psalmist is providing 
a time in history where the people of Israel can look back at. This was a moment in history that they could trust. It was a moment where the actions aligned with the words. Because throughout the rest of the psalm, verses 9 through 72, there is a clear illustration of the faithfulness of God. One that we could trust. But for us today, I believe there are moments in our lives where God has done similar works in our lives as he's illustrating his word. These moments are where the words of God have been fulfilled. He's, he's, he's said something to you. He's, he's proclaimed something to you. He's spoken something over you, and it came to fruition. And you're like, man, I can look back at how God has been faithful. The next generation needs to hear that too. They need to know that. They need to know that God, the God of the Bible that was working then is still working today. From working with students, the middle school and high school students, and interacting with some of our, our younger students, and as well as the college-age students, I often hear questions like this. Does God still do those, uh, make those walk that could not walk? Does God still give sight to the blind? Does God still cure disease? Does God do miracles? And my, my often responses were resounding, Yes! God still does that today. He does. But I can't be the only one that shares that. You guys are part of this. You're involved in this. So I often tell them a story of God's faithfulness, of God's words aligning with his actions. In college, we, we had this small group, we called it the fire. Nothing about the fire, nothing about having a fire, it was just called the fire. And, and at first, and I'll, I'll preface this, I was skeptical about God doing his works, doing miracles. And I joined this small group, and, and one of the nights that we're welcoming all of our new freshmen in, because now at this point I'm a junior and I'm way older than all the other kids, and it's like, man... One of the kids comes up and says, can you pray for me? And me and one of my good friends, we stand to the side like, hey, we'll pray for you. And he said, can you pray for healing for me? In the back of my mind, I'm like, God, I'm going to pray, but I don't know if this is going to happen. This young man sat before me and my friend, and we prayed. We prayed. We prayed. One hour passed. Getting a little anxious. God, you need to do something. I'm kind of telling God, God, you need to show up. He's like, I, I can't, I don't know what else to say. God, I need you to show up. Two hours pass. And I'm like, God, I, I don't have nothing else. But God. We got to that two-hour mark, and I looked at my friend, and I said, I, I, don't, I don't know what else I can pray. I don't know what else I can say. And God, I literally said, God, I give him to you. This young man had a curved spine. We gave it to God, and in those moments, I watched this kid's spine, I mean straighten, before me. And I'm in shock and awe because all I can do is continue to pray and say, God, thank you for what you are doing because I know he's a testimony. 
But I share that story with you as well as with these students because God is, he's a faithful God that can still do the miracle working power that he has done 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, that he's also done 24 hours ago. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we live for. That's the God that we worship. But these students, they need to notice not only in their mind, these young people need to not only notice in their mind, they know in their heart that God they can trust. And as they trust him, God is faithful to do amazing, wonderful things in their lives while through them. And in many ways, you've, many of you have already experienced that. So what would it look like for you to share the stories of God's faithfulness, of his goodness, of what he has done not only in your life, but in the lives of those around you? that they would be drawn to trust God. That they could encounter the living God and see that his word shows up with his actions. That it aligns with who he is. In your life, for some of you, that may be that God has just been faithful in providing a roof over your head, food on your table, Share those stories of how God has rescued you from, from sickness, from death. How he's been faithful in your relationships, how he's been faithful in your marriage, how he's been faithful in your finances. Share that with your kids, with these young adults, these, these, the next generation, so that they could look at God and go, God, I trust you. Because you've been faithful in action as you've been faithful in your word. The third thing is this. Through our intentional time together, relationships grow. Intentional investment in time builds trust. The third and final component is retention. And I'm pretty sure you're probably like, retention? Like, what does that mean? Like, am I going to work? And we're talking about how many people are still in my job? Like, it's, 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 it's along those lines. But let me, let me, let me, reel, let me reel, reel this in for you because retention is huge. The thing about retention, as I mentioned in the beginning, is about remembrance and responsibility. And remembering the lessons of the past allow for devotion in the future. That's the importance of retention. Remembering the lessons of the past for devotion in our future. In verse 7, we read, then they put their trust in God. They would not forget his deeds but will keep his commands. In this verse, we hear the importance of not forgetting and keeping the commands. That's retention. It's staying. It's, we're absorbing it. It's sticking into our mind. It's written on our hearts. It's, it's there. When I think about retention, it's like, what are some of the lessons of young, of my youth that I remember? Some of the simple ones. I learned not to put my hand on the stove because you'll get burned. Even to this day, I still haven't learned my lesson, but I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm growing. Um, don't eat lots of candy. If not, you'll get cavities. You guys remember that? Like, don't, don't do that. I'm still eating candy. Lots of it. But God, thank you for toothpaste and mouthwash and dental floss. No cavities, praise God. You know, my, 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 my mom, my grandmother impressed upon me, always be on time. 
If you have a meeting at 8, that does not mean eight, arrive at 8. That means arrive at 7.50, 10 minutes and 15 minutes before. I'm still trying to figure out how to be on time. Um, another one is eat your vegetables. Why? I guess it's a health thing, I, I, I guess. There's doctors in the house. Please help me figure out how to eat more vegetables because they're not that great. Um, love rice. Um, so, but there's things that you guys remember being told to do, like, and you retain that information. And it's kind of helped you along your journey to where you're at today, as well as going forward. But you remember those lessons because you got burned, you maybe got a cavity, went to the doctors, and they said, if you don't eat more vegetables, we're going to have to. It's another sermon. Be on time, because if you're continuously late, you won't have a job. You won't have a career. And I'm sure we can collectively think of even more. But I want to reference Psalm 119. In verses 111 through 113, it says this, your laws are my treasure. Your word, your, your laws, your word are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. The keeping of God's commands are a delight to the very end. Man, do you hear that? Like, this is a sense that God's commands that he's given to us are not only something that is written in a book. It is written. As this psalmist writes, it's like it's written on my, my mind. That wherever I, whatever I think, I'm thinking through the lens of God. When I'm thinking about my feelings, I'm in, in my heart, I'm thinking through the lens of God. And when I go out to serve someone, when I walk, when I use my hands, I'm utilizing this in a way because I'm going to demonstrate what it means to follow God. So thinking about retention, there's, there's the practical things that we've been taught, but there's some things that for the next generation, man, we got to remind them of God's word. And there's, there's a, simple, a couple simple verses that I want to just point out to go, man, these are some of the ones that are written in God's word that are something that we can retain. Like, like John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We know that one. So that we've been learning since we were young. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. One of my favorites is Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Romans 8, 37, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Those are just a few verses that I think about, that I can go to in my time where, God, the world is pushing back against me of God, which you want to invest in me. God, my faith is weak and it's weary. God, help me to understand. Let, show me in your word.
But if I don't remember those lessons that you've been teaching me through those that have come before me, I won't really know who to trust or what to trust, what lessons to follow. Because as all of us know, the lessons of the world don't give us anything. They leave us empty. But the beauty of the lessons of God leave us wanting more. They draw us deeper into his relationship with him. They show us that he's important. What I want to share with you as we we bring this to a close is that every person, young and old in in this room, as well as watching online, there is someone in your life, someone that may be young, someone that may be old, and man, God has been even impressing upon your heart to speak with them, to share the gospel with them to have a relationship with them. Maybe for some of you, it is your own children. Maybe it's your grandchildren. And God's been impressing upon you, man, I need to invest in them a little bit more. I need to lead them a little bit more. I need to set the example a little bit more. Maybe it's you going to work and it's a coworker that's been asking you, you go to this whole church thing, help me understand. Ah, You kind of step back, but God's telling you to embrace that. Maybe it's someone in your neighborhood. Maybe it's someone that you have interacted with here even in this place. We need relationship. The next generation needs relationship. Humble people that are willing to witness, to invest, and lead the next generation. Are you one of those ones that are going to be like, man, God, I want to grow in this relationship with the next generation? That's what God's calling us to. Can you grow in that relationship and build a sense of trust that not only can they trust you, but they can trust God? And can you show them the lessons of how God continues to share that truth with us over and over and over again? Because I ran into this quote, and it kind of threw me through a loop for a moment. And it's a D.A. Carson quote, and it said this. One generation believes the gospel. The next generation assumes the gospel. The following generation denies the gospel. That hit me at the core of who I am. It broke my heart because I could see that. As I mentioned in the beginning, there's this sense of stubbornness and rebellion amongst the generations, amongst, amongst the people. Even in the churches, there's stubbornness and rebellion. But God is sinner calling us, how do we come together? How do we be united for his glory? So I said, DA, that's your quote. Let me make it my own. And I give this to you. Would we have... One generation that believes and lives the gospel. The following generation believes and lives the gospel. The next generation believes and lives the gospel. 
We are all a part of that. Are you willing to invest and lead the next generation? Because all of this takes humility. It takes relationship. It takes retention for us to lead the next generation. And to reference Pastor Allen in, in one sense is this. If we're willing to humbly do this and examine ourselves, they will surely know as they see us, they will know that we are one. Are you willing to step out in faith to help invest and lead the next generation? Would you pray with me? Father, it is so good to be in front of your people. And Father, I thank you for your word. Because God, without it, God, this message could not happen. I thank you for your spirit, God, because you are speaking to all of us here. Those that are here in this place, those that are online, and God, those that are going to listen to this down the road, God, you are speaking life. And Father, I pray for my friends, I pray for my family here. That, God, we would not take this to the personal heart and go, God, this is something I need to share with someone else. God, I don't, I don't agree with this, but to go, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? And, God, as you answer that question for us, we would attune our ears, our hearts, our minds, our spirits to listen to what you have to say. And God, I pray for, for these folks and that, God, you would call them to, if it's to pray with their kids, their grandkids, to pray with their family, their friends, their relatives, nieces, nephews, cousins, whatever that is, God, that they would have a, a power encounter with them. Chains would be broken, lives would be changed, lives would be healed, and God, more and more people would be drawn to worship and to honor you because we've taken steps of faith to pursue you. So God, bless my friends, bless my family with that encouragement to step on in faith to invest and lead the next generation. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.